Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone. It's a new episode of Bragging Rights. We've been on a long hiatus. My co-host, Joe, is actually just got on here. Um, hey, Joe, how are you doing? Oh, by the way, I'm your co-host. Good morning. <laughs> morning. How are totally, you? Totally got sidetracked by seeing you get online. I forgot to actually say my name. But <laughs> I'm just telling our, our folks here that we have been on a, a long hiatus, but we're back um, with a new episode today. I'm doing great. How are you doing, Joe? I've been busy, 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 busy. But uh, overall, I'm happy, good, feeling. Uh, well, that's good. You know, yeah. Been working a lot, but, you know, serves a purpose, doesn't it? Uh, yes, it it does. <laughs> Work is good. Yeah, I've been uh, we we've been putting in a little long hours at work, so I've been working on. How Saturdays, how long so. have you been working? Ah, uh, it's going well. I kind of took a break last uh, during this week. I took a little break, but um, it's been about five weeks of six days a week, about ten hours a day. Mm, yeah. It's a, it's a little taxing, but you know, we uh we were supposed to have some help, but um, so the new government took over and uh, hiring freezes were put into place, and uh, my compatriot at work, uh, Mr. Joseph Nilo, uh, retired. Uh, shout out to Joe. I know he's not listening, but. He retired, so it's kind of we're kind of understaffed, and and <laughs> a little bit the workload got a little heavier. And it might be this way for the whole year. I don't know. Hmm. I'm sorry to hear that. Nah, it's okay. So you, it's okay. So you have a a different vantage point uh, to see things from uh, decisions being made and things of that nature. So. Yeah. Well, I, I didn't. You know. It's it's weird sometimes when decisions that high actually uh, you can see a, a valid effect to it in your own work <laughs> in your own day to day. So yeah, that in a way that has affected me. So well, you know, I just try to be positive, try to keep going. So you know, but we still have found time to do a few things together and and. Yeah, I think like today, we're going to sneak off today and I'm going to say it on radio here. We're going to watch Beauty and the Beast today. So. Oh, you guys are watching Beauty and the Beast? Oh, am I, hopefully. That's yeah, that's my plan. Hopefully, my hopefully we can get a seat. Now, we have one of those our th- we live in a small town, but our theater has one of those theaters with the uh Reclining seats. Yeah, yeah but, that's where I'm gonna in go. Order to, in order to get one of those, you, uh, are, you know, out here in the middle of Yelm, you still have to reserve a seat. Um, you know, you have to pick the seat that you want 
online almost before you even go. And mm-hmm. uh, you know, we're all high speed out here in the middle of nowhere. But uh, yeah, we, my wife and I are gonna sneak down and watch watch the movie. So she loves that story. Me too. I love Beauty and the Beast. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know what's so funny? They were talking about uh, things that like were uh, inconsistencies in the movie. Um, and I never thought about it as a kid. They said, said something about like, oh, if if the the if the witch had cursed him, uh, how many years ago? Like, why is he? Why does he look exactly like the picture um, before she, he was cursed? I always just thought he they she froze time for them. Yeah, well, it, that's it, what it, I always it, presumed. I didn't yeah, think that was well, a question. It's a I thought story. I'm not. I'm not going to overanalyze it too much. I mean, well, it's so funny that they yeah. brought that up because as a kid, that's how I viewed it. I viewed it as the rest of the world continue, but part of the curse was that not only did he become a beast, but and not only did his people become furniture, but they all stuck in the same age. Right. Forever. Yeah. That's what I always I thought, and that's why I felt like when he returned, he looked that age because he was always that well, age and did, stuck there. How would Chip stay Chip the whole time, right? Yeah. He, he, he was a I child think. the whole time, right? So, there yeah. Yeah. That's some, what I think. deep inside analysis of Beauty and the Beast. And, <laughs> and it's I canon. say as a kid, my logic was on point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, I think you read it right. So what have you yeah. been up to? Well, one of the things that I've been up to is actually, so I had my birthday. I turned 38, so woot woot. And one of the things yeah, I, that. Wait, wait. Can I interject real quick? Sure. You you, uh, I saw a picture of you and your father with with a gigantic bib. Was that on your birthday dinner? Uh, Oh yes, that. Oh yes, yes. So they decided to because they know I love seafood. I absolutely love seafood, and so they surprised me. And my my sister has had a has a birthday three days after myself. So and she was going to be gone to New York with her husband uh, on her birthday. So we did a a joint birthday celebration, and we went to Crab Pot, which I had never been to. And so I was I was I, I, I loved it. All of the like seafood laid out in front of you. So yeah, we were right. rocking those bibs uh, so that we could keep our clothes clean as we got our grub on. Um, but he tackled <laughs> the crab crush, really. I tackled the clams crab. and the mussels. Well, I'm I'm more like a mussels, clams, um, shrimp kind of girl more than anything. Um, so okay. it was it was it was fun. It was a whole lot of fun. But yeah, so one of the things that I decided to do was well, I have another friend who also has a March birthday and we were going to go out and watch something together, but it was getting late. And I said to her, "You know what? I would like to do for our birthday celebration. Why don't we just I why don't we just do Uber Eats? Because the thing is, she's been doing Uber eating um for a while. I mean, not for a while. She started in February. And so she, um, she's she been posting all of this stuff that she does with Uber Eats, and I thought, oh, this looks like so much fun, and that's something I would totally enjoy doing. And so she said, sure. So we did four deliveries that night for our birthday celebration, but she was just telling me about it um, and how, like, she would just do it after work, and um, 
she just didn't know how how much she would necessarily earn from it, but she in her first six weeks earns three thousand dollars. So I was like, oh, and so she was trying to raise money for like a missions trip and um, sure. different things. So I thought, man, my church needs to uh, fund this building, and so maybe I'll just do Uber Eats and whatever I get from Uber Eats, I'll just uh, give towards that and just donate it. And so uh, my first day was uh, two two days ago, and I did eight deliveries, and then yesterday I did 13 deliveries. So it was, wow. I mean, and there's so much fun. And I will tell you this, uh, if anybody's in Lil, the Linwood area, the, the one that gets the most orders and ridiculous amount of orders is Red Onion Burger. Gets so much. They're the, on, they're the only company, well, aside from last night, there was another, there was a pizza place, but they're the only company that I had two days in a row have multiple orders I had to pick up at once over there. And it just so kept beeping. So they seem to be the most popular uh, food order. Oh, they're incredibly popular. And one of the things was it, it's so popular with, that they actually are going to do a trial run to see if it's worth it to open up their business for an extra two hours uh, and and see if that – just for Uber Eats and see if it's so, it, so worth it. They would just have the the kitchen open, not really the, yeah, just the for dining Uber area, and yep. just oh okay. They're just gonna tr- check is. it out to see if that's the case. And my friend, who's the one who introduced me to Uber Eats, said that's absolutely a great idea because she said, at least in the area that we're at, there's only certain places that offers the kind of food that they have, um, and if. Red Onion Burgers was open to take orders, they would definitely win out over the other ones that are currently there. And I believe right. it. I mean, I think every time I go, it's constant. I think they have a constant flow of Uber Eats throughout the day. So it, it, they have really great, great food. Another fun thing about Uber Eats was the fact that I got to discover different places that I never knew existed, even though I, Lynn was not that big and I've been living here forever. Um, there was one at Cliff, this place called Cliffhangers, that used to be a place called Marcos, um, but I guess he he closed and I mean the, that restaurant closed and it got replaced by this place called Cliffhangers. Uh, so I went there for breakfast. Oh my word! Can I tell you? Yeah. And I, we'll get we'll get into sports in a second, but can I tell you? They have Whatever. a five five ninety nine five dollars and ninety nine cent breakfast. Now see, that, I saw a picture that, of this breakfast, yeah, and it, this, it, you know, it it looked really good. It that was really good. good. It was steak and is, eggs. Is, is yeah. Yeah, it was a steak and eggs with hash browns and toast, and I was like, nice. "This is legit." <laughs> so now we could uh, talk breakfast foods for, you know, we could, you know, top five breakfast foods. I, I could go on. Mount Rushmore of breakfast foods. I could go on about breakfast for an hour, but I do want to ask: How difficult was it to get started um, to sign up to? To did you do most of it over your phone? Oh yeah, um, how, all of it is how, over my phone. Okay, and so so um, the way it worked was uh, right because I think one of the best ways to introduce people to Uber Eats is what my friend did. 
which we went on a ride-along. Because when you go on a ride-along, you realize this is for me or this is not for me. It's totally for me. I love it because it actually calms me. Like I feel relaxed when I'm doing Uber Eats. So so when that ride-along ended, I said to her, okay, give me your referral code. And so she gave me her referral code. I'm hoping that it's worked. The reason I'm not sure if it worked is because I actually had – already signed up for Uber a long time ago, but didn't do anything about right. it. <laughs> but not for Uber Eats itself. So I'm hoping that her Uber Eats reference code is the is what would trigger it. Because here's the deal. When you use a referral code, if you don't use a referral code, you get no incentive really. But if you have a referral code, the person who referred you gets $250, and you who they referred gets $100 after you do 20 deliveries. So right. – um, so that's why I was like, oh, that would be so great if I get enough people to sign up. That would be a whole lot of money that could go towards um, the goal that we have in, in, in raising the rest of the funds for my church building here. And so um, that was what was exciting. But it's, there's a, once you hit the link to sign up for the Uber Eats, it's just you just fill out your information. They have to, you have to be at least 19 years old. Uh, you have to have um, – uh, a, a 1997 year old car or old, uh, or newer, um, and re- which is obviously with Uber, the regular Uber, you have to have a car that's at least 2007. So that's part of the reason why it's it's something that more people are able to do because the cars not as necessarily have to be as new. So once you confirm who you are and um, prove you have insurance, then and you're driver's license then you uh just put in your bank information and they they uh they put in the money every week into your bank account now you could choose to cash it out week i mean daily if you want but there's like you it's like 50 cent cents per um transaction or something you lose money if you do it daily but if somebody really needs their money like that day you can get it um, sure. But it's better to just wait for your week to to get the the cash, um, since it's going to be deposited directly into your account anyway. And then, so once the, that all happens, then within less than a day, you get approved, unless some, there's something weird in your history that won't allow them to approve it. But usually, within a, less than 24 hours, you're approved, and you can start driving right there. And it, I'm telling you, it's a little bit addictive if you have the kind of personality I have. So I'm driving. I've, I turn it online. You can turn it online and offline whenever you want. That's what I like. There's some, like, delivery places where you can, uh, you can, like, they make more money, and there's people that don't like Uber Eats because they don't make tipping mandatory. So that means uh, tips don't really happen unless people just have that kind of heart to do so. Right. Um, yeah. So I, and I, so I don't say- mind it personally. The same what? goes for the ride sharing program that that tips are not built in to the to the framework of the yeah the other there's some other ride ride programs that actually have uh a function for tipping, but Uber has yet to kind of really put that into the into the model yeah and and i i mean I personally don't mind it myself to me tipping is like gifts uh it's I just feel like either pe- I mean either people just want to do that do that or they don't. Sometimes I already feel like the majority of people think I'm already paying way higher for somebody to come over here than I, I would if I just get up and myself and do it. 
and they might think that Uber people already, Uber Eats people already get paid for all that stuff, but no, it, we really don't. But I enjoy it. So if I get a tip, I'm just really thankful. Like, oh yay, thank you right. so much. This one lady gave right. us eleven dollars. Gave me eleven dollars. I was like, whoa. <laughs> That's really generous. Yeah. I think that's more than I was expecting for sure. Um, but to say the least, it was it's once you once it hits your phone, it tells you where to deliver. And here's the thing, it's an, a big adventure after that because after that you don't actually know where you're dropping it off. They won't tell you until you confirm that you picked up the, the order. And so oh, really? last night. So yeah, they, so last wait, night. So when they give you the order, you know which restaurant to go to, but you don't know quite where the drop off's going to be? Absolutely. And part of it is because so you I can cancel. Order, but, but they have to be within a certain uh, area, though, nope. right? Nope, really? not necessarily. So I could order. A you, you, just ha- you just have to be in the vicinity of the restaurant. If you're the okay. closest one to the restaurant, you get the job. But that doesn't mean that the drop-off is anywhere close to, to the restaurant. Yeah, so I can and here's order the, something from Linwood, and you'd have to drive all get the way it to down Yelp? here and come say yes, hello. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. All right. You absolutely can. <laughs> you will pay <laughs> a pretty a penny. Sandwich. But you, <laughs> uh, you'll pay a pretty penny, but you absolutely can. For example, last night when I picked up from Red Onion, <laughs> uh, I, I had two orders from Red Onion. One was I needed to drop off in um, – I think it, it. I think it was that one was in Linwood, which is not far, obviously, because Red Onion is in Linwood. But the other one was in Shoreline, and so I tur- that was like a forty-minute trip because of the where I went from there and then back. And when I delivered to the person in Shoreline, he was like, "I am so sorry. I didn't realize that it was so north." And I said, "Oh, it's right. fine." But I, I mean, that's part of the adventure, and I think the re- main reason they don't disclose to you where the the drop-off is is if you cancel the order. They don't want to give you anything personal about the person who's ordering sure. until they know for sure you actually have the food in your possession. Uh, but anyways, it's a whole lot of fun. If anybody's interested in doing it and, and want my referral code, uh, you can just you can just drop me a message on Twitter um, never complacent, or you can drop me a, a, a Facebook message if, uh, oh, if you're a Facebook friend. I guess you might not be. I'm very private on Facebook, so I'm not sure. It's on, on private mode. I'm not even sure if people can find me there. Um, right. So, so, but anyways, but here, at least Twitter you can. Here's a couple questions. Here's a couple questions. So, I'm the type of person if I. And I don't really get fast food very often, but I'm the mm-hmm. type of person that I love to snitch a French fry on the way home while I'm driving. So how hard is it <laughs> to drive around and deliver food when it smells so delicious in your car and you know you just want one French fry, maybe two, Oh, right? They won't notice, uh- right? Uh no, no, I do not touch anybody's food. <laughs> Plus, it's really wrapped up well, so that's a good thing. Uh-huh. It's in their Uber bag. On top of it, uh, I do like last last night. I did do enough deliveries that I was getting hungry, so I did just go offline, go to B three and order their my food. And I told B three that they really need to consider going on Uber Eats because. Their food is something that I know people would order if they knew they could just right. sit at the comforts of their own home and get their food. Their food is so amazing. 
But anyways, with that said, um, no, I never get any temptation to eat anybody's food. But I do get the temptation <laughs> to go back to that restaurant and order or something hungry, there yeah. in the future. Uh, but I will also say that the more nerve-wracking thing for me is not the food but the drinks and trying to make sure that, that those drinks do not spill. That is an issue. Uh, so right. um, yeah. that is probably my biggest issue over anything. Yeah, you need to make yourself a no. car rack or something. Yeah, uh, Yeah, I need to so think some, is- of something. And I'm probably going to need to start itemizing what I've purchased for the benefit of Uber so I could write it off at the end of this season, I mean, this, this year sure. yeah. um, for some of the things. But, but yeah, no, it's been such a fun experience. So I really, I really recommend it to people that just have some free, t- well, it's not even free time because I don't necessarily have free time, but I make time for this because it's kind of fun. And I, it's, it's something that, that I just enjoy. Um, and the majority, 99.9% of the people that you're going to engage with are going to be completely nice and so excited to see the food. And there's going to be – I'm sure you're going to meet a cranky person here and there. I haven't met one yet, but I know they're there out there. <laughs> so so, so but if, if, uh, what, is yeah. your current, what is your current star rating on Uber Eats? Well, it's, I'm so new that I can't really get any uh, ratings oh, of some sort. But, and plus – yeah, yeah, you have to really do it for a little bit of time from, before you can start from what I getting something. With Uber rides, the drivers actually rate uh, riders as well. So, is it a responsibility of you as a delivery person to rate the person you're delivering to as well? Uh, the only thing I well, yes, only yes and no, or like a thumbs up, thumbs down. The same way okay. when I pick up food, thumbs up, thumbs down. Basically, if I thumbs up, then there's no questions. But if I thumbs oh, so down, you, you they'll also, ask me why. You, you also rate the restaurants? Yes. With the thumbs like, up, thumbs down? Oh, that's cool. Yeah, there's only one that I did a thumbs down on, and the only reason I did a thumbs down on them was because the wait was too long. But at the same mm-hmm. time, it's not really their fault. The amount of food that was purchased um, and how quickly I got to their restaurant because I was very close to my last drop-off when I went to their place. So if I was further away, I probably wouldn't have rated them as too long of a wait because they probably would have been ready. But I was there right. within three minutes, and so and they had like five or six things to cook up. So I don't know how, I don't know how early on restaurants receive the 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 order before I get get it. So I think it's. I think we receive it at the same time, honestly, because when I got my second order for, from Red Onion um, Burger, I literally stepped out of the restaurant with my first order, and my phone just went beep, 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 beep. It's like multiple crazy, crazy loud beeping, and I think that's their way of saying, don't leave. <laughs> we have another order. Please oh, really? take it. Don't stop, go. Stop. Stay in place. <laughs> we got another. We, um, yeah. It sounds like. Sounds very interesting. That sounds like you know, especially for you know, for people looking for uh, you know a ways and means to get a little extra money in their pocket. Sounds like a great idea. It's it's so much fun. And actually, when I was picking up an order at a teriyaki place, this uh, there was another guy picking up a, an order for a ter- the teriyaki place for Uber, and he goes, and I said, I told him, oh, it's just my second day. I'm really enjoying it. He goes, I, I've been doing this for a year and a half, and I'm like, do you lo- do you like it? And he goes, I love it. It's he goes, it's really helped my life. 
And I was like, oh. Really? So, yeah, so it's it's, it's, now, it's now, great. Now not only is Uber helping people's lives, maybe maybe Uber's could be a dating service. You never know. Um, No, 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 no. He's he's an older <laughs> gentleman. Uh, ah, he could be my grandfather. Wrong? Is there something wrong with older gentlemen? Uh, no, uh, just. No. <laughs> well, okay. 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 <laughs> so. Though I'm not, uh, but though I do think it could potentially be a dating service because, frankly, some of the drop-offs. There was one drop-off that I did, and I was like, "Dang, this guy's attractive." <laughs> so, but, so, so ride-alongs could be uh, Uber Eats dating. Uh-huh. Oh, there's, so a, there, there, there's another opportunity right there, sure. There you go. I, me, I meant more so that some of the people that we were delivering to were incredibly oh, attractive. Oh, oh. Uh, there was this one individual in, in yeah, the cul-de-sac. That's a little stalkery. He, <laughs> well, how is it stalkery if you don't know anything about them, but you're just dropping off their food? Mm-hmm. You're leaving them your Twitter, uh, your Twitter at. Just in case, no. They need to get no. in touch with you and. Uh, no, no, that no, would be that would be that would be uh, unprofessional. <laughs> all right. I was just I just have eyes. I just noticed. That's all. <laughs> oh, yeah. So the beginning of this podcast has been brought to you by Uber Eats and the Red <laughs> Onion. <laughs> yeah. Check them out. Unintentionally, today. but so true. <laughs> yeah. So that's what you guys get. You now you remember what you've been part of. Yeah. <laughs> All the yeah. other times yeah. if we you've get listened into a rabbit before, trail. you realize that we can't. This is normal. Subject. <laughs> yeah. Tangent. 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 So. It's a good tangent. All right. So I'm gonna let you pick the subject that we transition to by what you're most excited about. Uh, is it free agency? Is it the World Baseball Classic? Is it the Seattle Mariners um, or something it's else? The Seattle Mariners. Something entire. Is it? It's the Seattle Mariners. I really am excited for this season. Uh, I just and, see and so now, much. We do this every year. We do this every year now. And I've reached that point as well this year that I always do. The uh, It's a springtime thing. It's all of a sudden, you know, I believe in the capabilities of the team that's unproven. I believe that they have gotten better. I, I'm already buying into the chemistry to a, a team that has made almost wholesale changes in some of the places. But I am I am super excited about what this season is going to bring. I mean, it has uh, storylines and narratives already. Uh, one of the biggest ones is, is how will Felix come back from a down year? More than anything, that's one of the most important things for the makeup of this team, for the attitude, for the well-being of this team, is to see how Felix bounces back. But if you've been watching any of this World Baseball Classic, it seems like it's the Mariners Baseball Classic from different teams. It seems like there's a Mariner contributing on almost every national team. It's 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 pretty cool to see our team having that much of an effect in the international baseball tournament. Absolutely. I mean, I haven't been able to watch it, but I have seen highlights going down my Facebook um, timeline, and 
oh, every time I watch one, I'm like, oh, gosh, I'm, I miss baseball. And I love it so was, much, and I'm so incredibly excited for it. I was driving to Olympia yesterday during – or was it yesterday? Ah, just a couple of days ago during Edwin Diaz's couple mm. of innings with the Puerto Rico game. And put himself into a put himself into a high stress situation and was able to come out on top and get the save for Puerto Rico and so it was, you know, it's spring but they're already experiencing significant playoff level baseball sort of at at, at you know I mean the other day was Felix pitching against. What's his name? Oh, I'm gonna get this. Is the new guy is Smiley, right? Not Miley. It's Smiley. Yeah, right? I think so. Yeah. I, I mean, that's uh, so the least the against, name that's popping yeah, in my Drew, head. It's Drew Smiley, and uh, Felix pitched against Drew Smiley, and every, everyone woke up the next morning just solely impressed with not only the way Felix performed, but also they were blown away at how well. Drew Smiley, uh, they had him up to what ninety four on the gun. It was a number that this early. Who won that season, one? Don't ask me. I think we did. I think the U.S. did. Mm, mm, but okay. but both the pitchers from our team represented their country very well. And Felix had a good, very good out, outing. Drew Smiley had a great outing. You know, this has just been the only bad thing is continuing to watch Adam Jones be so good. That hurts every time. Well, so but I, I you know, I which which new Mariner are you most excited about? Oh, um, uh, man, and, I, and I haven't learned their I haven't okay. learned their names yet. I just I honestly I think it's more so that I trust the decisions that are being made. And right. I see a person who is really who really has an end goal in mind. Not that people don't make decisions with the the the, the plan of oh, we're going to win the World Series. But there's just a confidence I have about this team and the dynamics that this team has. It's been a really, really long time. No matter how many times every year I'm like, oh, this is the year for the Mariners, you know, because I always like to be hopeful. But it's been a really, really, really long time that I've actually not only wanted to be really positive, but I believe I'm also being realistic. Like this could really genuinely be potentially their year. There's so much – that he's that Depoto is doing to make sure that the right tools, the right people, the right everything is in place for a long haul kind of thing. And just I, her pitching excites me. It really does. Right. And uh, but our our offense. How, how, I mean, our offense excites me. And I mean, this is a team that struggled so much offensively before <laughs> that I feel like man, they're hitting it. Out of the ballpark, literally in that one game, what they had three home runs or something. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Or oh gosh, what a beauty! And, and, what a beauty! And it's not just 
and for me, it's not just the people that are going to be on the 40-man roster, but there are a couple pieces in the pipeline now that are going to end up either in Everett, Tacoma, but there's some good players. Uh, Kyle Lewis is coming back from a, a hurt knee, but uh, Tyler O'Neill is has been impressive so far in the spring. It looks like he's going to be everything we hope that when we draft someone that high. Um, but the new additions have changed a little bit, the way that Seattle's going to be able to play, the speed from Jared Dyson. The, uh, I think this, the biggest effect overall with a new player coming in is probably going to come from Gene Segura. Just I of mean, what? I, Who? The, the Gene Segura is the new oh, shortstop. Yes. So mm-hmm. I just think there'll be more consistency. There, you know, there was always struggles of, you know, youth at that position last year. Uh, and mistakes mm. being made and games being lost off of those errors and mistakes. So I think, the, first of all, the veteran leadership inside the infield and, and then just, just some consistency overall in the infield is going to improve vastly with Gene Segura there. I don't know how well he'll hit the ball, but I, you know, Cattell Marte was a fun kid to watch, but Honestly, inconsistent, uh, a little volatile, and and he would go into, you know, it, make a mistake, and sometimes it would just, it would just elevate from there and get worse. So I'm I'm really glad about that improvement in the infield, and then the speed in the outfield is is so much faster, um, with Jared Dyson out there, and and well, even with the kid Hanniger and Gamel Heredia. And Martin, they're so much better than having Ioki out there and having having to. I love Franklin Gutierrez, but an old Franklin Gutierrez, you just didn't know what you were going to get each game. So they've made improvements all over the field. So that's what's got me and, really excited. Yeah, no, I mean that's what I'm saying. There's, I just may not know everybody's name quite yet, but I know I will. Uh, by the oh, by yeah. the season's end, and I'm gonna be in yeah, love I, with a different <laughs> player. I just there's just so much to love about the Mariners, though, and I I really felt a lot of that after Ken Griffey had his uh what was that that celebration for him and and his speech and that keep keep fighting and after that I just really felt like this team finally really gelled in a, an incredible way. Uh, and I think the hardship of losing that opportunity last season has probably m- made them even more resolute that they're not going to let it slip away this season. I really think that this could be the season. I, I believe it um, with all my heart. And I've, obviously I'm going to take it a, a game at a time. Um, yeah, but- yeah. got to do that. But it's but it's something that I'm incredibly excited to watch. I'm gonna miss uh, some of it because I'll be in the Philippines. But uh, not that I actually I you... could probably still see it because my my cousin Sam, who's a big Mariners fan, 
tries to see games as much as he can. So there's probably a way that we can watch it because he lives in the Philippines, and that's why I'm heading to see him get married. But, um, but yeah. How long are you so, going to be there? A month. And what city? Uh, I'm not sure where he's getting married, actually. Um, so I don't. I'm not quite sure. But I'll I'll probably go to Manila and, and Davao, and um, ho- I'm, I'll really want to go to Palawan, um, just because I see it all the time. All those videos of like, oh, the five ten, five best beaches in the world, and Palawan uh-huh. is always number one. And I really want to go. So, but we'll how many see. Times have you, how many times have you gotten? the opportunity to fly back there? Uh, I think, okay, so one time was to see my sister get married. Another time, I think, was just family, like just a regular family one. Third time, I think, was for Davao to do a missions trip. And then, so this one might be my fourth time, I believe. Mm, Nice. Fourth time. So this one would be what, 10 years from the last time I think I went? I think I went 10 years ago, maybe. So, not yeah, quite my sure. Wife I can't is remember. Leaving me, my wife is leaving me next week to fly. Not next week, the week after, to fly home for a week. So she's mm. she's leaving out of Seattle and flying to Germany for about a week. But, well, you I- know, it's... For for her, it's different. It's not really that much of a vacation. It's more of drive, fly to Germany, and then go back to your house that you grew up in and hang out with your parents for a week. You know, it's not really vacation. It's just more of a touching base with the family and stuff like that. Yeah, I I was originally planning to only stay there for two weeks, but uh, people were like, "Well, you know, if you're gonna already go, go to the Philippines, it's better to go there for longer." But the thing is, in April, it is the hottest time of the year, apparently, for April, really? in, in the Philippines, which concerns me for my dad because my parents are coming, and uh-huh. I just worry for my father's health. And uh, and the heat, I, I don't know. I don't know if he can last. I mean, this is my this is the same father that if <laughs> he cracks me up. So we're in my if we're in my car, and I happen to have the heater on he needs to have it all the way cold so i have to first of all i have to change it to all the way cold but he cracks me <laughs> up because he always will say what are you trying to do kill me <laughs> anytime it's hot and i'm like dad no so but he always <laughs> and then nowadays when he he does anything um remotely like i he does something, and I'm like, Dad, why did you do that? He's like, I'm an old man. <laughs> <laughs> That's his excuse for his behavior no matter what. Oh, all the time. <laughs> my mother yeah, said, honey, yeah. uh, he, my mother said, honey, I am four years younger than you. You cannot continue to use that that excuse. And uh, she go, he goes, but I am an old man. <laughs> but, yeah, she's. She's probably been dealing with that for a long time. So he's probably been using that old man stuff for 20 years. <laughs> but yeah, so, um, but but it's, it should be a fun trip, and uh, I'm just hoping and so you're going to be my, there almost the, be the fine. entire month of the entire month of April. Huh? So you're going to miss yeah. almost all of all of uh, 
the first month of, of of baseball. That's terrible. Yeah. I will be physically back the last week of April, but I'm still taking off work that time just in case I have jet lag. Because let me tell you, I I put up a picture on my Facebook that showed that I literally lost one hour of average sleep per day uh, this week. Now, now and I, show that daylight savings that. times really affect that. Yeah. I did look at that. And the majority, I'm like, how can you survive? Uh, I think four <laughs> out of seven days you slept less than five hours. How do you I do know. that? I mean, I, I, that's why I think I, I wasn't feeling well on Friday, and that's why you saw that nine-hour day. And I, I took yeah, a sick day from work. That because, was a good day. Yeah, I like, well, I had to take a sick day for, from, for work. Um, but it was – honestly, I was doing so well prior to that. I was getting closer to my seven-hour-a-day uh, sleep – Goal. That's why I was like six hours and forty nine minutes the week before that. But when daylight savings time hit, I, it's like it was hard for my brain to reorient. So I'm hoping that I'm not going to be thrown up that much going to the Philippines. But if I was thrown off by one hour, <laughs> how much more so? How many hours or whatever? It what it is going to be. I don't know what the time difference is going to be, but to say the least. Uh, yeah, I don't know how I survived with only less than five hours on all those days, but yeah, honestly, that's I, how you know. That's how I, I used to sleep. I'm, I'm trying to get to bed before nine o'clock every night during the week. Well, well, you know what though? I used to sleep only less than five hours consistently throughout my whole life. It was only this past year when I started going to She Wellness that they were like, "You can't sleep less than five. Hours. I mean, you can't sleep for less than seven hours and think that your body's not suffering for it." And I was like, "It's not." Right. <laughs> yeah, it's a, I mean, it is. That's an I just didn't. Important. That's an as important, I think, sometimes as exercise is getting a good night's sleep. So. It's true. It's true. You can't, I agree. Can't keep running the batteries to the to the till they're empty and then just crashing. So did I tell you how they said? Cycle. Did I tell you how they said? You know, if you don't, it, that lack of sleep, you know, makes people die sooner. And I said, but you're awake for more of it. <laughs> and they're like, oh, Maybe. so you rationalize it? You <laughs> rationalize it with them? You're like, well, I'm getting more life in during the time, so <laughs> you're just wasting your time sleeping. I don't have time for your sleep. Russell Wilson told me I got to get yeah, up. Yeah, that's right. No time to sleep. <laughs> that's right. All right, so even if you do miss part of the beginning of the season, I think that the the Mariners are going to get off to a good start. I believe they start the first week in April in Houston. So, I mean, since Houston has come to the AL West, we've had problems. Uh, they were supposed to be. Uh, <laughs> they were supposed to be the team that we could beat up on we year in and year out. And so far, the Mariners have <laughs> annually struggled with beating the Houston uh, team, and also uh, Jose Altuve has basically owned all of our pitchers. So it's going to be a real good test to start it out. I mean, I think we start Houston, Texas, Miami, and then at home for Houston. So it's a, I think it's a good little, it's not too difficult out the gate, but it's, it is going to measure, 
you know, where they're ready uh, after spring training. How much are they prepared? Um, I think they can get off to a good start. I, and then having the pitchers, uh, it's going to be interesting to see what what Gallardo brings and what Smiley brings. We kind of have an idea what we're going to get from Felix, what we're going to get from Iwakuma, and what we're going to get from Paxton. So it's those other two that, you know, if we can get a consistent day out of them, I, I think it'll be a less up and down with volatility with the way the Mariners play. And if they could just keep winning series early in the season, get that momentum started, and then, you know, we've been looking at the, at, at being in contention at the All-Star break and maybe even leading the division. I really would love to just get a great start. Yeah, it'd be I mean it'd be awesome. I I'm just I'm just excited for for to watch it all. And actually I have had a conversation with someone on Twitter and she had well actually I I jumped into a conversation that was already pre existing. But she had sure. mentioned to this individual As you do on Twitter. <laughs> Not just you, that's what everyone does, right? Well, hey, if they're making it public, they're not private <laughs> messaging each other. It's, it's a conversation, it's, right? And it's we're, a conversation we're, for we're everyone, anyone to jump into. That's right. <laughs> but but she she had mentioned that she had never watched a full game of the Mariners ever. Not one from start to finish. And I said, girl, you have got to. I said, especially when Diaz is going to close. I said, he. I mean, I still remember the first day that Diaz closed and how electric it was. Every pitch, every right. person was going wild. It, everyone was screaming, every pitch, every pitch. And it was the fastest closing that we had seen in a quite a while, at least for, in, for me. And it was so beautiful. It was just oh, it was such – he was on fire and he was – is just such a beauty to watch, and to think that that someone has not watched a full like not from. I mean, I understand g- baseball games are long, I get that, but to not even see one in your whole entire life, I was like, you've got right. to, you have to. If this is if you're not if you never have seen one in your whole entire life fully through, this is the year to do it. You got to do it this year. You have to watch at least one, if not more, if not the whole thing, all the way through. Um, it, it, I, right. I'm such a strong believer in commit committing it. You know, there's times where I've gone to a baseball game and I feel like, man, it, you know, this is a tough game. My, I mean, we could just leave early, beat the traffic, but no, we stay committed. Even when it was the Dan Wilson night, it was such an awesome night. We were celebrating Dan Wilson. He was there. We were doing good, and then they collapsed. And not only did they collapse that night, it was the most abysmal showing I've ever seen. It was such a wreckage in those extra innings. I just wanted to puke. It was so incredibly bad. But did we get up and leave? No. We suffered through all those innings and watched our Mariners get demolished. But that is what we do. But this year I really well, feel like, you know, it's it's about seeing – and those victories, because those victories are coming, and I, I'm so excited, and I feel like I'm going to be so excited to watch those guys get excited. I feel like these if guys you, are getting close. If you had 
watched any of last year's World Series to see just the emotion in two cities like Cleveland and Chicago to, first of all, to be involved in the World Series, but then to be, you know, just embroiled in the narrative and the story of both of the 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 fan bases and the teams struggling for such a long time to how can you not watch that and imagine it going on inside our city to, to have mm. three maybe four games played world series games at Safeco Field where the intensity and and the fans are I mean it's just sold out pitch by pitch you imagining Edwin Diaz pitching in a high leverage situation in a in a World Series game with you know national television talking about our team with the same kind of you know interest uh, it, how can you not be excited to see that actually come to fruition in Seattle Oh absolutely I can't absolutely. wait I can't wait. I can't I can't wait I, I just you know just to, just to, and and there's so many friends that we have that we've met through Twitter, through you know just to be there at a baseball playoff game with the people that you know we've gone to games and we we watch the game we socialize we drink we whatever but to be there and bond with those people in the middle of a, a World Series man how awesome would that be. Yeah. Beyond words, awesome. I think something yeah, we've been right. waiting for for a while. Right. For <laughs> not it's, for it's just the, a while. It's the stuff Forever. that legends are made of, books are written about. Um, it's it's what we've been waiting for since 1976. And Jerry Depoto, just like managers before us, are, are, are has us believing that it can happen. Um, I, you know. I think they, they, I think they're on the right track. I have a really good feeling about this season. Absolutely. Did you see the the smack talking going on between the Mariners and the Athletics? No. What was it? Oh, was this a Twitter battle? It was a little Twitter battle. Did you see that one? No. Uh, what, what, what was? Uh, what were they talking about? Uh, well, it was. It, first, it started out innocently enough. It was just the Mariners uh, just talking about. Um, uh, being getting ready for Felix, you know, watching Felix pitching and all that stuff, and then uh, Oakland, the Oakland Athletics came back with like some rib about rings. If oh, that's gonna, wow. oh, oh, it's a good, it's a great way to celebrate a day to replace, you know, not having a ring or I forget what they said, and then right, right, right. Uh, and then it was the, the video. Yeah. Yeah, and then so then Mariners came back with a pitch uh, um where I forgot who swung and missed and then our our and then there's a our catcher had given him a K a, a balloon. Did you see that? Oh, really? Yeah. And then they came back with Oh, like here's an L balloon. I'm sure you're used to seeing this letter, or something. I, and it just—it was just back and forth between them. And I thought, you know what? That means the Athletics really feel like we could be contenders. <laughs> like you're not going to waste your Twitter battle on effort, on, energy, on 
Yeah. So I, I, it actually made me feel good. I was like, yeah, look at that. You, you get, well, you if get. They're, yeah, if they're smack talking you, well, they aren't in our division. But, but if they're already, if they're noticing you on social media, that means that you are kind of in their, you're a little bit in their mind. They, they're paying attention to what you're doing. They're, they're, I mean, why not, are you, yeah. why are you gonna jump in into those mentions? When right. you weren't even, they're just they're business. just saying Felix. I'm pretty sure it was the Oakland Athletics that it was uh, the Twitter battle was with. But anyways, but yeah, but why 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 get into that if if uh, unless unless you felt like there's something to go go there. So I I'm I like any of those things. Um, I love it honestly when our our Twitter, our sports Twitters, Seattle sports Twitters, get into conversations because I always think whoever runs them are so hilarious. And right. um, I, I still remember when the Seahawks went to the Super Bowl and and just how everybody was like, "Oh, can I, you know, can I get on the band? I mean, uh, can I get on the bus or can we road trip or whatever?" Oh, Everybody's yeah, 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 like yeah, messaging yeah. each other. other that was like one of yeah, my favorite was- sports Twitter history moments. I th- yeah, that oh. was the. Uh, yeah, well, the, the Mariners were like, "We'll meet you in Arizona," and the Seattle Storm was like, "Can we get a ride? We'd like to <laughs> ride down there too." Yeah, so. Yeah, and that's another thing. I'll, I'll, I'll transition to this real quick. I, there's not much that I know about it, but the addition. The I wish they would just we could come to a solution about the arena thing. Um mm. politically it's just it's just to the point. Let's who let's get something done. Uh this town would be amazing with the addition of two more sports teams. Uh, just just having a full three hundred and sixty five day a year uh sports Topics to talk about, but teams to support and things to do in the city. Uh, with without basketball, it's just such a long wait, isn't it? From the end of the Super Bowl to the beginning of baseball. I mean, we and and soccer has started again, and and it does play a great role in the fans around here. But we're missing hockey and 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 basketball badly, especially with the way that the the local college basketball men's teams have been lately just terrible. Um, I don't know. Are you even a University of Washington fan? I I'm, I wouldn't say I am, but I wouldn't say that I, I'm not in the sense of, I mean, I have nothing against it or pro it. I'm, um, I'm so not you, you really don't anything. have a steadfast opinion about, uh, Romar at all, the coach? No. No, not at all. Yeah. I, I've heard rumblings for, for of me, things I mean, happening there, but I, I don't know anything enough to, to have a, a valid thought. Real quick, um, it was time. It's been six years without making it to the, the men's basketball tournament at all. The University of Washington women's team is ten times better than the men's team, and they have had way more progress and and results 
I mean, they have one of the best players in the nation in Kelsey Plum. So it was time. Uh, we'll see what the change brings and the new coach brings. But it's kind of why we need professional basketball in this town. I don't even know that much about the NBA anymore because I just I can't I can't get interested enough. I mean, a lot of people still have transitioned. They like the Warriors or or are watching the Trailblazers. I grew up with the Seattle SuperSonics. I want my SuperSonics back. That's when I'll care about the NBA again. Is when we have a team. But having a beautiful arena in downtown near uh, Safeco and near CenturyLink would be amazing. But I I'll take a rebuild at the Seattle Center if we can just get a team. I don't care anymore. Just somebody build a building. I swear. Yeah, I heard that that the Key Arena is going to be. They're trying to make that privately funded too. Is that true? Uh, you know. There's five different stories, uh, six different groups uh, involved. There's politics. There's lobbying. There's the port. I, I, you know, it seems like some of the the newspapers are on this side of the of the game or or that side, whether it be the port or Soto. I just let's just make a solution and move forward. We're just wasting our time. We've. We, there's been opportunities if the building would get built to get a team, and we've let those opportunities go by. We need to get the building built, whether we put a hockey team in it first. Look at me talking like me and the city are, are the same, one and the same. But if we put a hockey team in there and get a basketball team later, that'd be amazing too. I'm not really a hockey fan and I never have been because we've never had a hometown team to root for. If they bring us a hockey team to root for, not only the niche people that love hockey, but new fans will come. Just like you, you you developed into a football fan, what, four or five years ago? But mm-hmm. you've become a passionate, passionate and knowledgeable football fan in those five years. You bring hockey to town, and that's going to happen with some other people. And basketball, they'll rediscover their love for the game right now, we don't care about the NBA. Not this city, really. I mean, there are people that love basketball that still do, but it would be the connection to the city is what makes it. Uh, it's hard to be a fan in the city of basketball right now for me. For me, where was I well, going? That's not, I mean, that's understandable. I yeah. mean, it's 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 so much politics. So much politics. It, yes, it, it is. It, It'd be nice if if there was some resolution. Uh, I, I don't. It's it is frustrating to be an outsider watching it and going, why can't there just be a solution reached? Um, but it, it it's whether it's local or, or or on a national level, it's just it's it's what it is, honestly. Um, I just I just wish that it's honestly an art form that's been lost this ability to to figure out ways to work together and to compromise on things that and that's understanding that not everybody's going to get 100% what they want but you know 
trying to figure out a way to bring about the ultimate goal. And maybe people's ultimate goals are different. And that's why there there's no movement. Or maybe they are right. the same. And if they are the same, then there shouldn't be as much obstacles as they there currently exist. So I just feel like there's other agendas or, or motivations. Because if the main motivation is just that we want teams here, then you can find ways to make solutions, to compromise, to figure things out. But if there's other reasons that are keeping people and they're not being honest about it, then there's no way to fix those things. You have to be completely yeah. honest about what your end goal is to get where you want to go. I agree. I agree. So talking about being completely honest, and, well, let's just move forward into um, – have you been keeping track of the free agent frenzy in the NFL? Um, not as much as I would have in previous years, but I mean, I I know some of the decisions we've made. Uh, I mean, or the Seahawks have made in regards to some free agents. Is that what you're speaking of? Um, no, actually, I was going to. Well, not only the free agent frenzy, but the. All right, I'm going to dive into this one. The rumor mill has been ridiculous this free agent um, season, if you will. Uh, I, you know, and and sometimes you can't really tell where the rumors are being generated. I know that at this time of the year, it's a big time of the year for agents to start uh, rumors, to start uh, ideas for their. Um, their uh, players that they support or whatever, or uh, that they work for. But even in the media, the rumors have been just ridiculous. Um, I'm, I'm going to start with this, this, this Richard Sherman thing. So out of the, this is, this is as much as I know about it out of sometime last week, uh, I think Mike Lombardi was on, he was doing, he's, They've made their own podcast on the Ringer Network. Um, it's supposed to be based from a former general manager's perspective. So that's a football podcast from a general manager type personality and from the knowledge of being a formal general manager. And during his show, they were having a discussion about the possibility that the New England Patriots would trade Malcolm Butler, who's a restricted free agent, I think. Yeah, I can't believe he's a restricted free agent. But for trading him from New England to New Orleans. And his comment was then well if if New England or, or is gonna or if New Orleans is gonna make that trade and give up a first round draft pick, they should just in turn, trade um, uh, uh, first-round draft pick and get Richard Sherman. So basically, that's how he started the conversation. And from there, all the other rumors, I think, spread out from there. Now, whether they be from the teams or the media, the player or the agent, (laughs) there's perspectives in the whole rumor that have just gotten ridiculous. Now, all of a sudden, everywhere you look four hours later, 
there's a quote saying the Seahawks are ready and willing to trade or looking to move Richard Sherman. This is, and it comes off of one guy making a, a kind of a, a suggestion, if you will, for the New Orleans Saints to do instead of something else. And now all of a sudden, the Seahawks are ready to move on from Richard Sherman. This is, I don't know, what's your take and, and how did that, what was your opinion when you first heard that? Honestly, my first opinion was that I hope what issues Richard Sherman had last season has taken care of. Because I I believe that Richard Sherman has the right to annoy other teams, but doesn't have should not do that to his own team. And to be honest, I defended him when some of the stuff went down last season. And but by the time he hit that line of Pete's rah-rah meetings, I was kind of done emotionally at that moment with Richard. Not done completely, obviously, but just done at that moment. I was really frustrated that he would be so disrespectful of a team that has given him so much freedom to be who he is and that he would not find that kind of freedom anywhere else and that they still continue to protect him and defend him um, in front of people, even after I felt like he said some really disrespectful statements uh, to the public um, about the the organization, even if it was just a – I mean, because I just felt so flippant. So to me, when the discussion of of trading him happened, you know, any other year I would have been devastated, like, no, 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 that can't happen. This was the first year where I was like, you know, maybe he's ready to go somewhere else. Maybe he wants to go to some, somewhere else. Maybe he feels that, you know, so all the, I mean, there was a, a myriad, I think. Your opinion or mood has shifted a little on, on based off of Richard's antics last year or the way that – now, is it based off of performance or is it based more on leadership and and – and attitude. Leadership and attitude. Leadership yeah. and attitude. This is a team so now that you, has – you've moved in, into the portion where it's it's not 100% steadfast. You, you, you'd, be, you'd be able to rationalize or get past if the team moved on from him. Yeah. And I, don't, I didn't and think I could say that before. Right, and it wasn't that way two or three seasons ago. You would have defended our guy to the last, but now there Absolutely. are cracks in that. There's cracks in the unwavering support from the fan base of the player, whether whether it's whether it's warranted or not. It's there. There are already people. You know, there. There's one thing about Richard Sherman. There's no middle ground. Okay. And and for forever, I've had other fans at the place I work talk about how they can't stand him. They think he should just be quiet. Uh, that blah blah, you know. And and I keep tell I always tell those people, yeah, you feel that way until he's on your team, and then you'll one hundred percent back him when he's on your team. You think he talks too much because he's a Seahawk, but make him a Dallas Cowboy, 
and he's the best thing since sliced bread for you because you don't like his antics because he's not on your team. But now Honestly, a part of me wonders. Are... Oh, go ahead. There are Seahawks fans that are are moving away from that 100%. Uh, you can, I'll support you no matter what you do or say, because some of the things that he's done and said have come back to affect the the performance of the team. It's it's got to the point. Last year, there were times he put Richard Sherman ahead of Seahawks football. Yeah. And, and so people people recognize that people saw it and it changed the way that yeah you know, it changed the unwavering support that was there before they can, now i can see his faults more clearly than when i was blinded by you know um, I, I guess uh, support love whatever wanting to be you know but yeah, a part of me feels so. like are we? I, we've experienced some surprising thing with Cam. Got that that dealt right. with. Then now it's Sherman, and I'm like, let it not be Earl next, because I mean Earl. And I'm talking about when I'm I'm not talking about performance stuff. I'm talking about leadership stuff. When but, Cam but chose. Wait, wait. Let me let me. I don't mean to totally distract you, but in a way, haven't we already kind of experienced something with Earl that we we never expected that was the last thing i expected to hear from earl thomas after he was hurt oh when he that, said he wanted to retire exactly this is different than the way um richards kind of changed but to actually see earl thomas question his own resolve it kind of shook what i who i thought earl thomas was i thought he would never say something like that and and at the time, you know, I, I'm sure he's in a weird, weird mindset in a weird place, watching his you know brothers play playoff football while he's at home with a broken leg. But I never thought that that Earl would question his own desire to play football. That was, you know, and that kind of shook the team for me as well. Well, I, don't know. I yeah. guess. Yeah, no, I mean, I can hear what you said. I think the reason I I forgot about that is because he took it back. So I think that's partly probably why I I even kind of forgot about that. It may have been the most emotional we have ever seen Earl Thomas. And and we only got to see it through Twitter a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah, there's still narratives out there that – that are interesting. Um, well, here's these the rumors with, this, with okay. Richard Sherman again. It's just you can't bite the hand that feeds you. And to me, I Richard doesn't need to explain himself. He doesn't, but because he has that, that right, all of us as human beings have the right to choose to disclose as little or as much as we want about ourselves. But we don't get to dictate how people perceive that and how people take that. And to me, you know, when you go on an interview and claim to never have said something that you have, exactly. that people the that people have recordings, yeah, that people have recordings of you verbally saying to somebody, right. and then claiming that nobody actually knows, 
Okay, I can yeah, agree with you that people's how people chose to frame it and discuss it could be up to interpretation. But to claim that it was never said at all and that there's no proof, to me, then you're like you are messing with actual facts. That is something different. Uh, My ability to describe what I think those actions and those words meant could be up to interpretation sometimes because sometimes that could be the part that's misunderstood. But to say that those words were not even uttered or how do you know that those words were uttered or how did you know? You know, when he's like, nobody really knows, well, except in it's just like, but I'm asking you, like, did you say it? Like, for him to not take some ownership of that, to right. not just say, hey, yeah. I'm an emotional guy. I'm passionate about the things that I do. And sometimes my mouth gets me in trouble. You know how much a person can understand that and respect that? Most people can. We all know that we get upset, and we all know that we say something out of turn, and that we just own that. And it disappointed me that all these months later, he was still at that place where he wasn't willing to just not be angry at the the way the media handled things. And he has he he just has such a negative view of the media. Not that I mean I have the most positive view of the media in general myself, but to to get to this point, it's it's not doing him any favors. And it's definitely not winning him over with the, with his own fan base here. And at the same time, I don't think he necessarily cares. But I, a part of me wonders if this is all him kind of being, if, if all of this is a reaction of him secretly being fearful that the window for the Seattle Seahawks is closing faster than he'd like. And it's not, and I don't believe it's closing, but but the fact that Pete Carroll had to have that conversation with his team tells me there's enough players in there that must have been thinking it or that they knew that outside people were thinking it, that it was infiltrating their minds, that he had to address it. So I wonder if, if, if part of that is Sherman's headspace getting clouded over the fact that, oh, are we going to get another ring? Am I going to get another ring here being in Seattle? Uh, I don't know. But if he can get past this, if he can start taking ownership, then obviously I would want him to stay. I want Sherman to stay. But if he continues to go in in the way that he's been going with his attitude and his lack of gratefulness in some of his – and he can say, oh, I'm totally grateful you can't judge my heart and all this. I'm saying based off of the, some of these interviews that you've done, I'm sorry. Uh, it's, hard, it's hard when I feel like you're abandoning a little bit of your loyalty here with some of the words that you've been saying. And I don't mean to be you harsh by saying that, but I just that's just the way I feel. Yeah. Have you – did you get a chance – I know you, you work as well. But did you get a chance this week to hear hour three of Brock and Sock with Doug Baldwin? Doug Baldwin um, sat no. down. Um, oh, you have to go back and find that on the, I believe it's ESPN, 710 ESPN podcast page. If you look under Brock and Sock, look for hour three where the guest was Doug Baldwin. It's one of the best interviews um or 
I'd say conversations more than anything because it was more than just an interview. It was a conversation where, you know, it, it comes from one of the most important voices inside that locker room, and he talked a little bit about situations inside of that locker room over the past couple of years. He touched on the uh, the the before situation with uh, – uh, a feeling in the in the locker room about Russell Wilson not being black enough. He talks about how that 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 particular notion was actually in the locker room, but it's gone. So you can speculate who you think it was, and that's gone. You can do that all you want because you you know whatever. You just go back and think about who was on the I team at the Harvard. time. That I, I think. You know what? If if I'm going to put a name to it, it might be Harvin, but it might have been Chris Clemens too. I don't know exactly who it was, but he does say that whoever it was is gone. So, no. You can say whatever you want, but, you know, after he says that, you can just go back and look at who's missing from the team and then that that'll give you your cast of, of usual suspects. But he also talks about all the struggles from last season. He talked about, you know, you know, he talked about the effort it took for them just to get to um, playing Atlanta in the playoffs and the mistakes that they made as a team. It was a really good and very honest interview. He called Richard Sherman out. He said, I will talk about him right here in front of everyone else because I will say the same exact thing to his face. And and he, he Doug was pretty brutally honest. It's a great listen if you get a chance. I like ESPN needs me to plug them, but like that <laughs> particular, you know. But, but I will but totally listen to it now. Interview was one of the one of the most honest ones you'll hear from a professional sports and all. You know, well, Doug, Doug has always been good about that kind well, of – and he's always and been Doug, very honest and forthright. Yeah, and he also has a way of irritating those – some people who, you know, people. some people are gigantic fans of Russell Wilson, and they have their own opinion about Doug. And Doug and Russell's relationship has changed year in and year out. But I think mm-hmm. I think it has changed for the better – over the last Absolutely. few years because well, Doug is holding Russell accountable and also pushing Russell to the forefront to uh, he's pushing him in his sometimes weird ways to make Russell into a better leader and you can tell Doug's intentions are never uh, harmful to the team more than anything i get the fact that Doug's intentions are always team first, it seems like. It's not me first with Doug. Some people may mm-hmm. think it is, but it's, I don't think it is. Doug's story has been a great story if it ends now. I mean, coming from undrafted free agency to top 10 wide receiver uh, contracts in the NFL, that's a that's an amazing uh, journey with a Super Bowl ring and and all those stories with it. But I don't think he's done, and I think he's still pushing Russell 
I, you know what? I bet you if you ask Doug Baldwin, do you want to be in the Hall of Fame? He would tell you that's a secret goal of his that he hasn't told anyone about. I think he's driven to try and find a way, you know, as a, and there's a lot more that he would need to do to get into the Hall of Fame. But I think he's striving for that. That interview, I can't recommend it enough. Go back, check it out. Tell me what you think if you get the time to do it. Yeah, I, I I'm excited to actually listen to it. I think it'll be a good a good listen. Um, speaking about rumors, uh, obviously one of the biggest rumors right now is the whole situation with Lynch. Your thoughts on that? Well, my thoughts are well when when I first heard it, I was like, yeah, 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 that that's a great idea. Let him come back. Let us get a draft pick. Uh, let's trade his rights from here to Oakland. Now it's not, and, and then I read later. Uh, I believe Condota, Bob Condota, wrote some of the stipulations that have to happen, and some of the ways that would affect the team. I don't know if it's as easy as cut and dry as, hey, he's back in, give us a draft pick. Um, there's a lot of things that have to fall into place. But if he's going to come back, he's got to go to the league first. First and foremost, he has to request to come out of retirement. He hasn't done that yet. So, you know, media speculation, be what it may, right now he hasn't made the request to to come out of retirement. Now, there are things that affect Seattle. uh, Because if he comes back, he's under – he immediately resumes being controlled. His his contract is owned, controlled by the Seattle Seahawks for two more years as soon as he comes back. So it's it's like when he left, they put it on hold. So it's not that two years later his contract is up, he could just come back. It, it, it's like he never left if he comes back, and he's still – basically beholden to the Seahawks for two more years and they control his rights. And, (laughs) but if he comes back, all the money that was owed to him immediately goes into our salary cap. So it would immediately push us right to the edge of salary cap availability. If he came back, let's say, let's imagine he came back and played for us. They would have to make moves. They would have to, and, and we can talk about these two later. They would have to probably make changes in Jermaine Curses and Jeremy Lane's contracts in order to accommodate him. So I would love to see, first and foremost, I'd love to see him come back because I believe if he came back and went to Oakland, you would see one of the most joyful years of football that Marshawn Lynch ever played. That has got to be his lifelong dream, to play professional football in his hometown for the team that he grew up idolizing the players that inspired him to go on and do the things that he did. I believe that he would have an amazing – you might even get him to talk to the media in Oakland. I I believe that if if he could get be a part of that team getting deep into the playoffs next year or this year, 
I think it would do a lot towards pushing Marshawn over the hump as well for um, Hall of Fame voting. If he was to get, let's say, just imagine he came back and the the Raiders went deep into the playoffs, maybe AFC Championship game, maybe to the Super Bowl. I think that might be enough. He has a solid thousand year yard season or whatever. That might be enough to put him into the Hall of Fame discussion. Right now, I think he's a little lacking. But coming back and taking your hometown team to a championship might be the narrative that seals a, a, a true Hall of Fame candidacy. For me, I I feel like I hope the 12s understand and respect if that is the decision that he wants to just let him go in peace because – I do believe it's a childhood dream for him. And if for him to close out his career there, uh, it mean, it would mean a lot to him uh, if that is what he actually wants to do, which obviously we, right. none of us really know because of all the media speculation. They've been known to share uh, an incorrect information here and there. So oh, who I will do say, that? <laughs> so no, I will I say that. I will say that if that is his desire, that is what he wants to do, that I am all for it in the sense of seeing him as a human being that loves a sport and grew up loving this team, wanting to play for this team. You know, people who have this issue and feel like it's a loyalty issue if he goes elsewhere, well, hello, he was a Buffalo Bills prior to being a Seattle Seahawks. If they're, if anybody's going to have a right to complain, it was like, hey, you guys took him from us. Well, I mean, you know how it works. I mean, in the sense of fan base feeling. So it's not about loyalty. It really is for, for, for Marshawn Lynch. I really think this is about if he chooses to do this and if he actually really wants to do this, about fulfilling a childhood dream. And if anybody has an opportunity to fulfill a childhood dream, why would any of us really hold anything against them for that? Yeah, I agree. To me, that's a great story. And if Seattle fans were upset about him coming back and going to Oakland, I don't, I don't understand. uh, I don't understand that perspective. I don't think we really, we don't really have a leg to stand on arguing that particular. But I sure, if he does come back, I would sure love to get an extra draft pick. That's what I, more than anything, that's what I care about is, is can we get another draft pick out of the deal? Can we find a way to trade him instead of if he wants to come back? See, now, the, the probably the most highest percentage of of, of the way it's going to actually play out would be for if he decided he wanted to come back, would be that the Seahawks would just release him. Uh, that would release them of the monetary. Um, he would agree. Uh, and, and, you know, the Seahawks have the, have the, have the right to actually re, reclaim some of the, <laughs> some of the contract or, or money paid for that last season if they wanted to. Now, I think the smartest thing to do is if he comes back, just let him go. Let him go do, let him be, because just like with everything you do 
to your employees, employees of other teams, employees of other parts in the NFL, they see how you treat your former employees, and they see how you treat free agents. They see how you treat your own players that you've developed. So everybody's got their eyes open when situations like this happens, and they see how professional of an organization you are. And to to, to be petty, let's just let's just look at the professionalism of the Seattle Seahawks versus what we've seen from the Washington Redskins in this off season. It's just night and day the way it's the difference in in the way they conduct business. So I think the wise thing would do was just, you know, shake his hand and, and wish him well. In the end, actually, you know, ha- have a have a press conference with John Schneider and Pete Carroll, and and, and have a ha- actual Marshawn Lynch release um, presser. You know, get get some good get some good press out of it. Whatever. I mean, if we could get a draft pick, great. But I don't think we will. And even if we did, I don't think we'd get much more than a fifth or sixth. If we can get a fifth or sixth, great. If we can't, then just, you know, be better people, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just, we, we it's, have it's so just always so interesting on. just watching all the conversations that happen whenever – you know, things. I, I mean, you know, it's Lynch, always it's interesting to s- try and determine where those conversations are being driven or who they're being driven by. You know, during this time of year, it's is so much fun for me. Anyway, it's all this is like, you know, watching the way that teams conduct business. Everyone does it in a different manner, and it's interesting to watch the way. Um, you know, I really love the way uh, New England does their business. I love the way Seattle does their business. I don't understand the way some other teams uh, do team building, but yeah, you know, it, it's fun this time of year because you know you're you're going to get back just in time for the draft, then, right? Um, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. But hey, quick, quick, quick question. Since I'm not really as in tune with what's happening these days, what is happening with the the, the whole Kirk Cousins thing? Okay. Well, first of all, Kirk Cousins' former coach, right, uh, that used to coach him on offense, his offensive coordinator. You know, they let he left from Washington when his father. Well, he stayed a little bit after his father left, but then he moved to Atlanta. So uh, Kyle Shanahan was the offensive coordinator for Kirk Cousins when he first came into the league. The Washington Redskins have franchised Kirk Cousins two years in a row and are unwilling, unwilling to uh, give him a long-term deal. So they're not, they're not giving him a five-year deal. They've, they've franchised him two years in a row. Then I believe there was a disagreement between the general manager and the whatever. Bruce Allen is like the uh, president of football operations. 
So right in the middle of the combine, during right in the middle of draft season, they fired the general manager. So if it, if you just imagine at, at the combine, the Seahawks firing John Schneider. That's mm-hmm. currently kind of where the Redskins are with their leadership. Okay, now Kyle Shanahan's been hired in San Francisco as the head coach. I believe that San Francisco made a move to try and trade for Kirk Cousins. Um, I believe that the general manager that was fired was willing to make the trade, was brokering the trade, trying to come up with a, uh, a good deal for both sides. The president of football operations in Washington, Bruce Allen, vetoed it, and basically that's part of the reasons that uh, they fired Scott McLuhan. In addition, they not only fired Scott McLuhan, they tried to tarnish his name by claiming uh, that uh, Scott McLuhan has struggled with uh, with demons before. He was a member of the Seahawks scouting for a while, also helped build the San Francisco 49ers, the team with Navarro Bowman and Patrick Willis, did a lot to putting that talent on the field. So he's a really good evaluator, but he has demons, and I believe the majority of them are alcohol-related. But as they came to a disagreement in Washington, they basically dirtied his name in the news and, and blamed it on alcohol. They, they, they. Instead of just firing them like a grown ass man, they, uh, they basically tarnished his reputation and said that oh he's got drinking problems again. That's why we fired him. So that's kind of where that's the situation that the Redskins are in with their quarterback. Their quarterback wants to go and is going to go to San Francisco next year. He's going to play football for the Redskins this season under, I believe, around $24 million for one season, and then he's going to go to San Francisco. So I don't know. And and in addition to that, the Redskins have gotten rid of every wide receiver that they had and brought in new guys. So they got a quarterback who's playing uh, lame duck season, if you will. Doesn't really – I'm not saying he's not going to put in the effort, but he's going to get $24 million regardless and he's not going to be on the team next year. So that as a formula for success in the NFL, you tell me what you think Washington's going to do next year. I can't believe all this has happened. Man, I really am out of the loop. That's crazy. Who's their quarterback aside right. from Cousins right now? What's that? Who's their co- Who quarterback the aside quarterback? from Cousins right now? Yeah. Uh, give me a minute, and my computer will, will pull it up. That's uh, my point. You need a minute to think about who that is. Exactly. Why, why, why can't they – why didn't they just want to do a deal? It, well, quarterbacks just grow on trees, right? Uh, that even, is the dumbest uh, – no. yeah, well, that is I mean, the dumbest he thing I've them, ever heard. He got them into the playoffs. He's, that he's is the dumbest pruning. thing I've ever heard. So you 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 you, you – you basically, but you basically give away your future. You basically give away your future for RG three, and at the same time, draft Kirk Cousins that year 
And there's already right. a built-in conflict there because they're both capable of being quarterbacks. Then all the drama happened with RG3. Kirk Cousins comes in and steps in and does a good job, and you, you, and you think you're not going to give him a deal? Right. You're not, you that don't is, want to give him a long-term what, deal. I mean, do they, want to, do they want to compete with Cleveland? Like, what What are they doing? For dysfunctionality? I don't know. Yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah, that, that is the dumbest that, thing I've ever heard. That's a weird, that's a weird dynamic. With, and that's why, I, you know, I consistently remind people, this is the best we've ever had it. Enjoy it because it's functional. And we weren't sure when this, relationship first started with Pete Carroll and John Schneider, exactly how it was going to work out. The, the, you know, a power struggle between a, a, a coach that has, you know, overall he has the last word on player personnel. He really does. But it's been a seamless relationship where they don't argue and they don't name call. It, it's ridiculous. I mean, they didn't want the coach. I don't even know. Yeah, I don't know what's going on in Washington. It's kind of a mess. I feel sorry for their fans a little bit. Yeah. Uh, I mean, currently, yeah, I don't, they they have a he, twenty-four million dead money with Kirk Cousins. They have twenty-eight million in dead money for Josh Norman, thirteen for Trent Williams, and I'm trying to find another quarterback. Um. Colt McCoy. Oh, oh. And he, you know, he's been an interesting character, Colt McCoy. Yeah, in and out. I mean, wherever he's been, he's a solid backup. He's a functional yeah. backup. He's not a bad guy, but but that he's unless they draft a new guy, when Kirk Cousins leaves next year, that's the quarterback they have on their roster, Colt McCoy. He, Here's the thing, when I watch, here's the thing, when I watch front office make decisions that I feel like, what are you thinking? Because the quarterback position is such a difficult position to fill. It's such a difficult position to fill. I mean, to make a really good quarterback or a great one is hard. And Kirk Cousins, um, you know, it's, he's not like off the charts amazing, but he he's definitely far. More, he's more than decent. He, he's I think a he is good. Starter. Yeah, he's a, he's a competent starter. start. And and the thing is, when you don't have one that's better than that, I can I, I can I understand he, not blowing your money or all that potential. stuff. But I think Kirk Cousins has as much potential as Andy Dalton. So you're talking about a guy that can get you to the playoffs every year if you put the right pieces around him. I would but like to think he has a little relates, bit more than Andy Dalton, though. Hopefully, you know, matter of opinion. But but you think he's only got but Andy the Dalton level? Of the rest of the team, you're not going to make it to the playoffs because this team is, it's just they they got to be just collecting checks. You know what I mean? Hmm. That is such a travesty. That's so. That's so sad. <laughs> that is a sad situation to be in. So, 
speaking from free agency so far, um, all right, going into Seattle free agency, what did you want? What offensive did you want line to see happen? Oh, free agency. Okay. Yeah. I, well, actually, I did st- did want some offensive line, like in the sense of I felt like there should be at least one veteran presence. I don't know if we necessarily got that, <laughs> or, or did um, we? I I haven't heard of one, but then okay. I haven't been keeping up. Well, so. signed, Is there a veteran? Seattle signed two players. Um, and one of them is a, I believe it was a starting guard for the Houston Texans at time. His name is Ode Abushi. I think I got the last part right. Um, and they've also did a one-year deal for $8 million to Luke Jokel. Now, Luke Jokel was a the number two pick taken in the 2013 draft. Okay, second guy in the draft altogether. Been a disappointment in Jacksonville. So people were, I think people were underwhelmed when Seattle signed him. But he was drafted as a left tackle during his career, moved into, I think, left guard in Jacksonville, and then released from Jacksonville, what, four years later? five years later. So they gave him a one-year deal for $8 million. And I think that that Seahawks fans are a little upset that they didn't go out and court these big-name offensive tackles. There's a couple names that, that fans wanted more than anything else. But those players got ridiculous money. You know who the highest paid offensive tackle in the NFL is? Who? It's Russell Okung. Really? Yes. Russell Okung got a deal with the San Diego Chargers for almost thirteen and a half million dollars. Excuse me, I did say San Diego. The Los Angeles Chargers, thank you for correcting me. I'm gonna screw that up again. I actually screwed but it up this morning I when I was in a in my over, other podcast. Over thirteen million dollars a year. Now, last year when he left, he went to Denver. He got an incentive laden contract that I think was somewhere between eight and nine million dollars at Denver. Kinda similar to the one year prove it deal that Jokel just received. So now Jokel comes to Seattle. Uh, he's a he's a, I don't know. Uh, he's a rental, but he's a rental at one year. Uh, could possibly challenge George Fant at left tackle, but I don't think so. I think that George Fant is going to be given every opportunity to, to hold on to that job. So I think Jokel's going to end up. Uh, probably competing with Glowinski uh, and maybe Effetti, or maybe Effetti bounces out to right tackle during training camp. But if Joko has a good season, the Seahawks can lose him next season and get a draft pick back because they lose a high. If he has a good season, 
he'll get a deal of eight or nine million dollars somewhere else or a longer range deal and we'll end up getting a compensatory draft pick. So we're renting a player for one year at a fairly high one year price, but the chance of him reclaiming I don't know, status as as a starting offensive lineman could turn into something for us. Or we could end up liking the player so much that we sign him for multiple years. But almost everybody that John Schneider has brought in for this season have been on like one year, prove it. If you'd have a good season, you can leave us and go get a bunch of money somewhere else. Or, you know, maybe we can work something out. Now, we've lost a few players that people love. Brock Coyle's gone. But <laughs> Hauschka. The, yeah, well, uh, Hauschka, Hauschka left, and we ended up with Blair Walsh, and maybe I don't know if that's all over with either. What do you mean? But, yeah, that, that Are you saying there's hope? Contract, that contract with uh, – I'm trying to look at this. Trying the to find the, No, the, the Chargers is ridiculous for Okung. Uh, it, oh. The fact that he ended up becoming the highest played offensive tackle in the league, and he got a four or five-year deal out of it. So I, I, I don't know what the Los Angeles Chargers, but that was everyone. Um, even Oh, Matt were you Khalil, just talking about the offensive line right now? I'm sorry. I keep thinking of Hauschka. I'm going to miss that guy. So that's why oh. he's the first one that came back to my head because I really am bummed that he's gone. But anyways, go on. <laughs> He's, let, here, I'll, I'll make it easier. He fell in a place where you've grown to have affection for it. So you got secondary affection for the Buffalo Bills, and now you have another reason to like the Buffalo Bills because that's where Stephen Hauschka <laughs> is. I um, <laughs> All right, so now I'm looking. All right, so his cap, Russell Coombs cap number for this year is six million, but his dead money is like twenty five million. So let me look at his contract; it's ridiculous. Um, but overall, the Seahawks didn't uh, grab offensive linemen in the first three four days of free agency because they just couldn't afford to get into bidding wars. People were playing ridiculous contracts. Matt Khalil for the Panthers, or joined the Panthers to play with his brother, left Minnesota and joined to play with his brother, and he's making $10 million a year. Mm. So, yeah. So 2018, 19, and 20 for Russell Okung is $12 million, $13 million, $13 million. And the cap hit for this year was $25 million. And that contract, there's no way that John Schneider was ever going to pay anyone like that. We just can't afford it. So I think we've improved the offensive line uh, with with the addition of Abushi and Jokel. But it's not, it's not great. It's just better. How's that? I'm not super excited, but they they did make a move, but they didn't break the bank. But you know, some people they're not happy. 
I mean, and then of course, I think that they then, have high hopes for what this offensive line can be. Just, I think, yeah, as a I, fan, you, as a fan, I, I just get band. tired of yeah. consistently feeling like it gets pushed off every year. So I'm hoping that why they have I a real have, game why plan. Why do I have to have to rationalize and get behind projects? Why can't we just yeah, why can't we just get it right, right? Yeah, I mean, you look at the two teams that made it as far as they did, uh, and they had very consistent offensive lines, presence. People didn't get yes. injured and leave. They were pretty much the same crew all the way through their season. So that's that's important, and and you've said it yourself. If there's any position that is that chemistry is important, it's a defensive line. Right. And, and that's part and, of the reason I think pro- that we struggled. I I, I'm not even saying that I think that the the guys that we have are bad. I think that the problem has always been that we've never had guys be able to play all the way through the season, and that always right. messes with things. I you know we talked last season where I think that this that group of four or five guys was the future. But mm-hmm. I, I think there, there may be – I think, you know, John Schneider came out and said during the combine, I think, said that the Seahawks got a little too young on offensive line last year and that they made a mistake and should have kept uh, a guy like Jari Evans, a, 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 a veteran offensive lineman, if you will. So they've already brought in two veterans uh, in free agency with Jokel and with uh, Abushi. So I think that they already have kind of that what they're looking for uh, with veteran leadership there and moving forward. And I think that free agency has kind of shaped the way that they're going to attack the draft from here out. But in free agency, I think they've done very well. Um, Luke Wilson ended up testing the market, finding the market to be more friendly here in Seattle. So he decided to stay. I love in the way he that, announced it. He's such a crack up. I know he is. He is. I'm glad to see that he's back because, you know, I think they would have been forced to draft somebody much higher than maybe they wanted to if he wasn't here because we don't know what Nick Vanette is yet. Um, We know what Jimmy is, but we were going to go into the season where we were expecting if we hadn't uh, re-signed Luke Wilson, we would be expecting, you know, Nick Vanette to to take up the entire slack that Luke Wilson, and that's that's a lot to ask a second-year player who doesn't have that many starts. So, you know, and they're kicking the tires on on some other wide receivers. Nobody real big. It's just another contributor. They're not going to spend a lot of money. They didn't go out and get flashy wide receivers. Or, but the flashiest signing in free agency, I think, was I, – I didn't expect it. What did you – what do you think about the Eddie Lacy sign? Honestly, it just made me feel like ProSize is going to be out for a long period of time. It made me feel like 
the 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 our, our running backs or the Seahawks running backs injuries have caused us to feel like we need to continue to add to that arsenal. I just I'm I guess to me because I believe so much like the offensive line is important uh to invest in I I just really wanted that to be the priority. I get it. I'm not I'm not mad at the decision of getting Eddie Lacy and I'm not excited though either. I mean, I'm fine with it. I hope he gets his um I hope he he does follow through with getting his weight down. Um, I do think it would be a great one-two punch with Rawls. And, you know, they're, they're both coming off of injuries, really, you know, in some ways, all of our running backs. Right. The, the, so it's just – I think that's it. I mean, like I was saying in the other podcast that I did this morning, that, you know, what? availability t- t- trumps what? talent. The, 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 the one that I do in the, the, the East Coast, the one that's just like a 15-minute slot. But anyways. Oh really? Yeah. <laughs> so, but but I strongly believe that talent. I mean, that availability trumps talent so much, so many times because you can have all the talent in the world if you can't show right. up. Right. It it causes like things like this. Um, yeah. We'll we'll see what Eddie Lacy does. I know that he's had he he was having a great year before the injury last season. Um, yes. But. <sighs> You know, if you let's get an offensive line, and maybe some of these things, some of these holes will open up, and 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 our running backs will do great. I understand that we're trying to restore our running game to the level that it should be at in order for our team to be successful. Yeah. Um, but, but I'm not necessarily personally wowed by it. Offensive linemen, I guess, are could be a result of why the running backs are getting hurt. But I think this is more a question of of health concerns than anything. Um, mm-hmm. I don't believe the I don't believe that they bring in Eddie Lacy and immediately say, "Okay, this is the guy." I think it's all right, guys. Everyone will compete for now. And now they have. We're gonna see. Maybe we'll see a difference this year too because we have a new uh, running backs coach as well. So. Moving forward, the running back room right now, I'm pretty excited about it. I mean, from Eddie Lacy, CJ, uh, you've got Thomas Rawls, and the fact that Eddie comes in. Now, see, Eddie Eddie needs to not be hungry, but I think Eddie's presence (laughs) should make Thomas Rawls I see what you did there. Yeah, I see what I did there. All right. I do. But, But. Lost in in all of that is still Tromaine Pope. Tromaine Pope is still out there. J.D. McKissick is still out there. Trey Madden um, and um, Terrence McGee. So there's like three or four other running backs that are still out there. Um, so I, I, you know, I think they prepared themselves quite well uh, going into the draft. They they touched some depth issues on the offensive line. And I, and the fact that they've, you know, got wise enough to give Deshaun Shedd a, a contract, we almost lost him. That was going to be the dumbest move that John Schneider had ever made to me. Oh, I thought we did lose lost, him. We almost did. We almost did because he was starting. Okay, I must to have missed some up. news. I thought we already did. So we did not lose no. him. No, we what didn't happened? lose him. 
with uh, he was uh, he was not tendered first of all as a restricted free agent, which was dumb. I, I think that's one of the mistakes that John Schneider has made in this off season. And then once he wasn't tendered, they just assumed that they could sign him for a cheap number. But then he started taking visits. Even injured, he started taking visits with other teams. So he visited with the Buffalo Bills. And that pretty much told John, hey, you better uh, you better get this guy signed or he's going to sign with someone else. And so they got it done. So they announced that both of those, what, Friday. Uh, oh. Luke Wilson and Deshaun Shedd. But looking forward, um, just we got four four minutes left here. So you tell me real quick what you think the team needs going into the draft. Just quick, what what kind of players or, or positions do you think the team needs? Gosh, real quick, I don't know. I mean, you got four uh, honestly, to make no, in 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 the draft, uh, I think cornerback. Yes, I think I think, I think cornerback. Well, let's just go on that. I think I think that if they pick in round one, which is always a maybe with the Seahawks, I think cornerback is going to be the highest that they've ever taken a cornerback. They've never taken a cornerback higher than the fourth round, and that was Walter Thurman. I think this might be the year that that changes. They, I think that they will possibly either go cornerback or they may even trade out of the first round and draft a safety. Um, you know, there's a lot of guys that if if you follow me, you know that uh, uh, I tweet out dumb stuff about prospects all the time. So you may or may not see some of the, the, the like, I do the fan speak mock drafts are always fun for me. So I always tweet out the results, but but I think you're right. I think right now that's the biggest weakness that the team has moving forward. So I think you should wrap us up. All right. Well, you guys, thanks for joining us after our long hi- hiatus, and I hope you enjoyed the show. Um, and if you want to know more about Uber Eats, just <laughs> drop me a <laughs> line and never complain. Uh, don't forget <laughs> to eat at the Red Onion. Mm. <laughs> Oh, free right, so, promos. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was it was nice to talk to you again and um before let's try and get back together before you uh take off to the Philippines and then you can come back from the Philippines with all kinds of stories to tell us and we'll go from there. How's that? Sounds good. Enjoy Beauty and the Beast today. All right, I will. All right, bye. I'll go Hawks. <laughs> Go, huh? And